Amen. Thank you. Um, we're going to start tonight a study in Proverbs, so go to Second Chronicles. Uh, it will make sense in a minute. All right, before we start, though, I'm going to pass out something. I had, I'm having mercy on y'all tonight. Here's the outline of what I'm going to do, so you don't have to cover it quite as much. Uh, it's not detailed. You can put whatever detail you want. Take one, pass it around. But it is the outline of what I'm going to try to cover tonight um, in the next hour and a half. So, um, y'all missed that one. So, so yes, yeah, yeah, you heard that. He said, we're used to it by now. Um, somebody said, this is quite a change from Revelation. You ain't just kidding. And uh, not only is it a change of subjects, but it's also a change of teaching. Uh, Proverbs... Uh, to me, is one of the more difficult books uh, to teach, to preach, however you want to look at it, and I'll explain why in just a moment, but I have to tell you that one of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Proverbs, and really it started many years ago uh, through a gentleman that maybe you've heard of his name, y'all ever heard of a guy by the name of Billy Graham? I remember at one of his crusades, um, this was back in the day when he was so popular with TV that um, he, he advertised a book that my mom and dad ordered. Uh, I didn't really understand the significance of it at that time, but I later did. They were offering through the Billy Graham Association a book, a devotional book, where they took the Psalms and Proverbs and put it together for a uh, devotional study. In fact, it was called Words of Wisdom. And they took a whole month, they took five Psalms, one chapter of Proverbs, and put it together to where uh, every day you were to read five Psalms, exception to that was when you came to Psalm 119. And then there was one chapter of Proverbs, and Billy Graham said uh, that almost every day of his life he read five Psalms, one book, one chapter out of Proverbs every day. Uh, a little while longer, I was introduced to the teaching of a gentleman by the name of Bill Gothard. And Mr. Gothard used to do a thing called the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts down at the old Omni. Some of y'all remember that down, downtown. And uh, uh, he taught often out of the book of Proverbs and taught the value of the Proverbs. And uh, so God just kind of used that to stir uh, the book of Proverbs in my heart. And uh, it has been a very special book to me over the years. And the study of it is, I, I don't know that you can ever exhaust the study out of the book of Proverbs. So the way that we're going to approach it we, will take a number of weeks. Uh, there are really three ways to study the book. One way you can't, we, you could do it verse by verse, but 
if I, if I was here 10 more years, we wouldn't get through it, doing it that way. You just can't do it that way, okay? Uh, I have done it before, and it's a way I really enjoy teaching the book of Proverbs, chapter by chapter. And that's a neat way to go through the book, and, um, uh, but we're not going to do it that way. We're going to study it topically. And when you, when you go through Proverbs, you will find that there are about 24 or 25 topics that the wise writer of wisdom gives over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's almost as if God understood, <laughs> as if God understood, God does understand the nature of the human heart, how we have to be told something over and over and over and over and over again to finally get it. So we're going to study it from that approach. And tonight's first study is pretty much just basic kind of overview. But uh, we'll look at some of those topics. And I think it's going to surprise you. Uh, some topics won't. Some topics uh, talks a lot about money. Talks much about wisdom, the need for wisdom. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. It talks a lot about uh, relationships with people. Uh, then it talks about things that we don't talk about much in our culture anymore, even though we should. When was the last time you heard uh, a preacher or a teacher teach on slothfulness? It's almost hard to say. Uh, I thought that was an animal, you know, you know sloth. Um, or what about gluttony? You never hear that in a Baptist church. Um, topics such as that. Uh, we'll also deal with some hot topics that it deals with, like alcohol uh, and such as that. So we'll, we'll get to all that as we go. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. Uh, I will enjoy teaching through it again, and it always uh, is good to get God's perspective on wisdom. So where did this great book of Proverbs find its beginning? And really the truth of the matter is it started with God, didn't it? All wisdom. All wisdom comes from God. But from a human perspective, it really started, for the most part, with a young man, a young king, 16 years of age, by the name of Solomon. And I ask you to turn to Second Chronicles, so we're going to start there tonight. Second Chronicles, the first chapter, we're going to read verses 7 down through verse 12. And this is really where you find... From a human standpoint and from a written standpoint, this is where you find the beginning of this book that we call the book of Proverbs. I'm going to read verses 7 down through verse 12. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, what shall I give you? Solomon said to God, you have dealt with my father David with great loving kindness and have made me a king in his place. Now, O Lord God, your promise to my father David is fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can rule this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, because you had this in mind, did not ask for riches, wealth or honor, or the life of those who hate you, nor have you ever asked for long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom 
and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings who were before you have ever possessed, nor those who will come after you. Think about that for a minute. What would you say to God if he came to you in a dream or a vision and said, hey, ask me for whatever you want. I'll give it to you. You got one request. You got one wish. Ask me for whatever you want. I remember one time many years ago doing, doing a youth retreat, and I was speaking on the topic of wisdom to the, these kids. And uh, I started the, the uh, Bible study off with that, and I asked them to answer that question. What would you ask God for if he came to you? And, you know, it's funny some of the answers you got. Uh, I'd ask for good friends. Some of them said I'd, I'd ask for um, a peace on earth. I thought that was pretty noble of a teenager to, to ask for that. I'd ask for a long life. Uh, one kid said, I'd ask for money. I said, how much? They said, $1,000. I looked at him. I said, let me tell you what. If I was going to ask God for money and one request, they'd have a whole lot more zeros on it uh, than, than three. Um, but here, Solomon came to this. I mean, God came to Solomon, a young man at this time. I said 16 a moment ago. He was somewhere probably between 16 and 18. He's now inherited the king. He's the king of Israel. Can you imagine at that age being a king? And God comes to him and says, ask me whatever you want. He could have asked for fame or fortune. He could have asked for power or pleasure. He could have asked for wealth and worldly possessions, but he did not. He asked for something far better. He asked for wisdom. By the way, God later gave him these things that others would have asked for, but it came by way of wisdom. And God later told him, because you've asked for the best thing, the right thing, I will give it all to you, and God certainly did. Solomon asked God for the right thing, and the results uh, are really uh, of his request, or much of the results are found in this book that we call the book of Proverbs. Now to the book of Proverbs. Go with me to the first chapter, verse 1. Look at how it begins. Proverbs 1.1, 1, 1, the Proverbs of Solomon the son of David, king of Israel. Well, I told you that the results of what God gave him is in this book called Proverbs, but not all the Proverbs are written by David. And if you've studied through the book, you know that. The vast majority of them are. I forget the exact breakdown of it, but there are a couple of chapters uh, that have been compiled by the scribes of uh, Hezekiah and these scribes took some of the Proverbs of Solomon that had not been written down previously. They put them together and included them in the book of Proverbs. And there are a couple of other uh, people that are attributed to giving us what we have as our full book called the book of Proverbs. But still, by and large, the primary human author of the book was King Solomon. Uh, it's interesting to note that the Hebrew word that is translated Proverbs is derived from a word which means simply to rule, to rule. Therefore, the Proverbs are words and sayings that are supposed to rule and govern life. And when you look at that from God's perspective, the book of Proverbs is a, not just a collection of human wisdom, but it contains God's rules for living. 
Now let me say that again. The book of Proverbs contains God's rules for living. And in them, God gives us a word to the wise about how to live life in a proper manner and how to live life that will be pleasing and honoring to him. So that's what we're going to look at over these next uh, few weeks. Uh, it does seem, in fact, it's kind of funny, uh, almost all cultures, countries, if you would, have uh, human proverbs that they, uh, they go by. We, we certainly have them in our American culture, don't we? Uh, what about some of these? Uh, children should be seen and what? Not heard. That's a proverb. That's your mom's favorite? It's my mom's favorite. She didn't listen, did she? Uh, here's one. Did you hear me? She'll get me back later. People who say they sleep like a baby usually don't have one. That's a proverb. Uh, here's one. Like father, like son. Uh, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, wise. A penny saved is a what? A penny earned. Those are proverbs, but they're human proverbs. Uh, I like this one, a Zulu proverb. Zulu. I once read, put it this way, he who walks into a thunderstorm must put up with the hailstones. Well, that's pretty good. And that's true. Two of my all-time favorite human proverbs happen to be what some call cowboy proverbs. These are good. Listen carefully. Number one, if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is to stop digging. It's pretty good. Would you agree? Here's my favorite one. Don't miss this one. This is important. You need to write this one down. Don't squat on your squirt. Don't squat with your spurs on. Okay. Don't squat with your spurs on. That one is important uh, to remember. Um, all all of these are cute little human proverbs, but none of them are divine proverbs. The book that we call Proverbs is exactly that. God has given us divine proverbs, and these are rules that should govern our life. They are both divine in nature and spiritually powerful in their application. I want to say that again. They are divine in nature, and they are spiritually powerful in their application. And wise is that man or woman, that boy or girl, who will listen to God's word to the wise and build their lives around the wisdom found in this great book called Proverbs. Well, uh, Proverbs tonight, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 of that first chapter, and then we're going to read uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. Uh, Proverbs 1, beginning just in the first seven verses, and then Proverbs 2, I'll read just the first couple of verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the young knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure to the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom 
and instruction. And then verses two, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. Now let me take those verses tonight for our introduction. And here's the outline. Again, you have it before you. We're going to talk about the revealing of wisdom. We're going to talk about the requirement of wisdom. We're going to talk about the receiving of wisdom. Uh, that will be what we'll consider in the introduction. Uh, the revealing of wisdom. One commentator uh, that I read some time back wrote that these first verses of Proverbs gives to us what is called the five faces of wisdom. And he said these five faces are self-discipline, understanding, wise relationships, planning, and learning. All of that combined in what is taught us throughout this book. And you will find that Proverbs teaches us about all of those things, not from a human perspective, but from a godly perspective. And when you consider that, no wonder was God pleased with Solomon's choice of wisdom. So why is wisdom so important to us, and why is it uh, why should we value it so much? Why should we desire it so much? And I want to see if I can answer that question. Uh, again, you see this, at least the main part, points in your outline. Uh, first of all, consider a moment the purpose of wisdom. What's the purpose of wisdom? Well, every father worth his salt desires wisdom for his sons and daughters, and Solomon was no exception. And you see that through the pages of this book. For example, again, we just read Proverbs 2.1. My son... If you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you. Solomon, as an earthly father, wanted his sons to prosper, wanted them to succeed and find true fulfillment in life. So he counsels his son. And basically what he's saying to him, if you'll only listen to your dad, I will show you how to experience true life indeed. Now when it comes to God's wisdom, that's the purpose of wisdom. In fact, as you read through these words... We read many of these Proverbs as if Solomon was speaking to his son. But the way you ought to read it, the way I need to read it, is it's God, our Heavenly Father, speaking to us as his children. I mean, if you are a child of God, if you're a Christian, then you are a child of God, then you must believe that what you read here in the book of Proverbs is God's counsel to you about life, and living. These are not just words to Solomon's son, but they're to words to all God's children. They are wise words for all of us. Thus, God has refined this wisdom for us and graciously invites us, come and get it. Here it is. It is yours for the asking. It is yours for the seeking. It is yours for the taking. And that's the purpose of Proverbs, that's the purpose of God's wisdom, to give us wise wisdom and understanding for living life. Uh, that's the purpose of wisdom. What's the producer of wisdom? Or may I mean you ask it this way, who's the producer of wisdom? Proverbs 1, verses 2 and 3, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Again, that all has to do with purpose. But listen very carefully, and this is important. If we are to know true wisdom, then we must know the teacher 
of wisdom. From this side of the cross, we understand that the true teacher of wisdom, in fact, I want to I say it even more, more emphatically here, the only teacher of wisdom is the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. In fact, it's interesting, uh, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit, one of the names that he calls the Holy Spirit is that he is the spirit of wisdom. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to produce wisdom in us. Hey, I got news for you. You don't have it. And I don't have it. In our flesh, we have no godly wisdom. In fact, just the opposite in our flesh. In our natural state, we do not, we may have human wisdom. We may have a little bit of common sense. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you don't possess godly wisdom. Only God gives that. Only he can give it. He's the one that produces it. He's talking about things like your wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity. You, you can't produce that in your own flesh. Only God can do that. He's the producer of wisdom. Genuine wisdom is supernatural. It is supernatural. It is exceedingly important to understand the difference between wisdom and common sense, between wisdom and mere knowledge, between godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. And there is a world of difference. Uh, somebody said once, common sense is natural, but God's wisdom moves beyond just common sense, or as some people call it, horse sense. Y'all ever heard it called that? No, I don't know where in the world I came from. I hope we got more sense than a horse. I don't know. I've seen some horses smarter than people, but... Uh, uh, I hope we have that more. God's wisdom is actually, listen to me, God's wisdom is actually uncommon sense. His wisdom is not like the world's wisdom. It rises way above it. True wisdom originates with God, resides with God, flows from God, and is a gift from God. I think another mistake that we make sometimes is, is equating wisdom and knowledge in the same Paragraph. Now, you have to have both, and we'll see that. We'll talk about that some as we go through this study. But wisdom is different than knowledge. Listen, you can have a Ph.D. and not have wisdom. You can be spiritually as, I started to say dumb, but I don't mean that. But anyway, you can, you can have a lot of head knowledge and not have spiritual knowledge Somebody put it this way, knowledge is needed to pass a test in school, but wisdom is needed to pass the test of life. Pretty good. Knowledge is learned while wisdom is given. Knowledge comes by looking around. Wisdom comes by looking up. Knowledge comes by study, but wisdom comes by meditation with God. Wisdom teaches one how to apply their knowledge in a proper manner. There's a world of difference between knowledge and wisdom. And by the way, there's a vast deal of difference between godly wisdom and so-called wisdom of this world. Listen at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians and then later James in his book. 1 Corinthians 1.25, Paul writes, he says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I mean, even I don't think really you could say that God 
uh, is foolish or there's any foolishness about God, but if you could equate it to foolishness of God, we'd still be wiser than anything we could come up on with on our own. Uh, James, in the third chapter, verses 13 to 18, who among you is wise and has understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy. I don't know why that hit me today. I was reading through this again. I don't know that I've, I've seen that phrase a thousand times because I've studied this many times. But I've never seen it before. A, a, a wise person is full of mercy. You know what? If there's anything this world needs today is people full of mercy. Because there's not a whole lot of that out there, is there? Full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering. And here's the catcher, without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom of God. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those that make peace. There is a world of difference between godly wisdom and the so-called wisdom of this world. Wisdom is not synonymous with knowledge. Rather, it is the product of the Spirit of God in our hearts and our lives. Some things in life cannot be learned. They must be given, and it is the Spirit of God who gives wisdom to the believer. Well, that's the purpose of wisdom. That's the producer of wisdom. Thirdly, the presence of wisdom. Uh, again, listen carefully. Proverbs 1-2 says this, to know wisdom. By the way, that word know that is used there is a word that means to know intimately, not just a casual knowledge, but to know very, very intimately. It's the, it's the same word used or the same meaning of the word used in the New Testament when it comes to our knowing Christ or that phrase. And when the Bible talks about knowing Christ, it doesn't talk about an uh, impersonal knowledge. It doesn't really mean knowing just facts about Christ. It means that you come to know him personally, on a personal level, intimately. And that's the picture here of knowing wisdom, to know wisdom. And I personally believe to know wisdom is to know Jesus Christ. In fact, if you do not know Christ, you really can't have true wisdom. Now, it's the Holy Spirit that brings it about in our hearts and our life, but it comes from the Spirit, it comes from the Son of God. In fact, Paul well expressed this truth in 1 Corinthians 1.24 when he said this, But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God, when well, he's come to us, and he also says in Christ is the wisdom of God. In other words, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. You will never know wisdom, true wisdom, without knowing Jesus Christ. You will never know true wisdom without knowing Jesus personally. And it's only through a personal relationship with Christ that you'll ever have the wisdom of God that this book of Proverbs talks about. And that's why I say it's not something you can learn. It's something that can only be given. 
It is a work of supernatural grace. Uh, that is the revealing of wisdom. Wisdom is of great value to the believer, and that's why God wants to reveal it to us. Well, secondly, tonight, how much time I got? Ten minutes. The requirement of wisdom. The requirement of wisdom. Uh, look again at Proverbs 1.7. Here you find the requirement of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And by the way, many times in Proverbs, he uses the word knowledge and, and wisdom interchangeably. Sometimes uh, they have different meanings, but sometimes they're referring to the same thing. But here it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, 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 of knowledge. Later it will say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is a term that is used all throughout the book of Proverbs. In fact, I did a study one time. I didn't even think about getting that tonight. A long study of how many verses in Proverbs and even throughout the Bible speak of the fear of the Lord. And the Bible makes it clear that in order for a person to be wise and acquire wisdom, they have to begin here, the fear of the Lord. That's what is required to get it. Now, again, that's not a phrase we talk about too much anymore in our culture, do we? Uh, you don't hear, uh, in fact, let me ask you, when was the last time you heard a, a, a preacher preach on or a Bible teacher teach on the topic of the fear of the Lord? Uh, yet it is a common topic throughout the scripture. Uh, for example, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is instruction for wisdom. Before honor comes humility. I think all these verses are in your notes there. Uh, you find that truth all throughout the word of God. Deuteronomy 5.29, God longs that we should fear him. We'll talk about what that means in a second. Deuteronomy 6.24, to fear God is always for our good. Genesis 22, verse 12, uh, obedience to God is our proof of fearing him. Proverbs 23, 17, it's possible uh, for us as his children to fear him at all times. Acts 9, 31 uh, tells that church members ought to fear God. In fact, I'm going to tell you what, that'd probably change the way we do church business meetings sometimes if we, if we did. Psalm 1, 12, 1, fearing the Lord is the secret of God's blessing. All through the Proverbs, he's going to tell you the beginning of wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. That's, that's the requirement of wisdom. Uh, somebody once defining what that meant said the following. Is it to be afraid of God? Is that what is meant by the fear of the Lord? No, he said. It is not slavish fear or foreboding apprehension, nor fear that has torment. It is not to be associated with terror or suspicion, it, the kind of fear which makes a man run and hide from God, nor is it that which would make him act as a cringing slave. The fear of the Lord is the fear of a loving child or a dutiful servant. It is such a reverence for God that the one who fears him is gripped by a holy pleasure to please him. Now, I like that. I think he's right when he said that. A lot can be said about it. I'll only make three comments to you tonight. Again, I think these are in your notes. When a person fears the Lord, they will reverence him as God. Again, I've said this two or three times tonight. That's lacking in our culture today. Uh, I think that grieves the heart of God. 
And I think it's indicative of what our world today really thinks about God. We have lost a holy reverence uh, for God. Uh, for example, you will not hear a person who truly fears the Lord talking about God as the big daddy in the sky or the old man upstairs. Uh, they will realize if they have fear, the true fear of God in their heart, that Almighty God is that. He is sovereign, supreme creator and ruler of all creation, and he deserves their utmost respect and reverence. Uh, that's where wisdom comes from, and you'll never get it otherwise. Uh, also, when a person fears the Lord, they will turn from sin and seek to live a holy life. You know, again, it's, it's amazing how many people think they can get by with sin and never have to give an account of their life to God for it. Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, he says. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth, I hate. By the way, guys, I don't think I gave that one the other night on our pride matter uh, we were talking about. But there's another verse about what God thinks of pride. Proverbs 16, 6, by loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Uh, can I tell y'all, I'll tell y'all a story. This isn't in my notes. I'm going to chase a rabbit. I don't do that too often, but I'm going I'm to chase it. Um, I was, somebody, we were talking about this earlier tonight. Uh, some of y'all going to see that movie that just came out about the Jesus movement. And I've heard great things about it. I don't know when I'll get to see it. Um, but I'm, I'm really a product of the Jesus movement. And one of, one of the things that God did to get my attention when I was uh, living in rebellion was the Jesus, what they called at that point in time, Jesus rock music. That was birthed out of the Jesus movement. Uh, it was kind of the beginning stages of what we know today to be our contemporary Christian music. And God used that in a very unique way. I was caught up in the rock world, rock culture of the 70s, that whole hippie movement. Can y'all imagine with me long hair? Oh, oh, it was, Robin pulls out those pictures every once in a while. And I threatened to shoot her. Um, she better not show those. But anyway, um, I, was, I was caught up into that whole rock, played in a rock band, um, went to rock concerts. I could stand here and list the groups that I've been to see. And... Some of y'all wouldn't even have a clue who they were, but let me just say they were not the type places that a Christian needed to be at. And I can remember, <laughs> I remember God, the last three rock concerts I went to, God had been convicting me so bad. He had been convicting me so bad about this and, and just the whole culture that was caught up in that rock world uh, that I didn't have any business being. He was calling me out of that, I know that. And I was having a hard time being obedient to it. And I remember we were sitting in the old Atlanta Auditorium downtown. I don't know if that's even still there. I was watching a band that some of y'all never heard of called Rare Earth. Rare Earth. And we were sitting there. Mike's over here shaking his head. He said, were you at that concert too? Um, it was all kind of junk going on in there. They were smoking dope. They were carrying. I mean, it was so much godlessness going on there and I remember in the midst of that music that was so blaring it would hurt you I remember I didn't hear it all of it but I heard it right here this is what God said to me 
how would you explain yourself to me if I was to rapture you right now and you would appear before me? What do you say to that? What do you say to that? I came out of that rock concert that night a changed person. And God used a rock concert to get my attention. And it was through the fear of the Lord that God did it. Uh, it changes how you view life when you understand that. When a person fears the Lord, they serve the Lord faithfully and with their whole hearts. Psalm 2:11, Hebrews 12, 28. Here's the last thing, the receiving of wisdom. How do we receive it? How do we find it? Uh, we'll see this all throughout the book, but in the first two verses of Proverbs 2, it tells us how we receive it. We receive it in a fourfold way. Here's your outline. I'm going to do it in a minute. Can you believe that? Number one, you must accept God's word of wisdom. Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if you will receive my sayings or receive my word. That word receive used here is literally, it literally means to welcome. To welcome. In other words, if you will welcome my word into your heart, you will find, you will receive wisdom. We must accept God's word of wisdom. Secondly, we must assimilate God's word of wisdom. Proverbs 2, 1, the second part. The treasure, uh, or you must treasure my commandments within you. Hide it or put it away. David's father once wrote, your word I have hid in my heart. This involves inviting it deep down in your heart, making it feel right at home. God's word of wisdom must go deep down in our inner being. It must be hidden in the heart for us to benefit from it. Thirdly, you must appropriate God's word of wisdom. Proverbs 2, the first part of verse 2, make your ear attentive to wisdom. The King James Version uses the word incline, incline, and that carries with it the idea of sharpening or finely tuning the hearing. In other words, you listen very, very carefully to what God has to say. Uh, Y'all remember a commercial that came out many, many years ago from a group called E.F. Hutton? And it said this, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens. Hey, folks, when God speaks, you better fine-tune your listening. And fourthly, you activate, must activate God's word of wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. And you activate it in one way, and that comes by obeying his word. My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandment within you, God says, I will bless you with wisdom. Well, that's the introduction of what we're going to be doing for the next... However, we'll see how long it goes. I tell you what, this is how we're going to measure it. We'll stop when everybody in this room gets wise. We're going to be a while, huh? Yeah, I know. Lord, thank you tonight for your book of wisdom. Thank you for, uh, Lord, your, your rules, your laws, your principles that you've given to us to guide us in the living life as, as you plan for it to be lived. God, we find success when we live according to your laws. We find pleasure. We find true fulfillment. We find righteousness. We find all the good things in life when we, when we live according to those laws that you've set out for us. Help us to understand them. Lord, we admit tonight that in our own flesh we're not wise. Lord, we only can be wise in your sight as you open the eyes of our heart 
and your Holy Spirit teaches and gives us wisdom from above. Thank you for Jesus, who is our wisdom. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom. Help us to live accordingly and help us to walk in that wisdom. For your name's sake and your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.